Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So, um, our last week uh, meeting here, I kind of told you all how, like an hour before coming here, I tossed aside the sermon and had to rewrite it, um, feeling that that was the thing to do, which, you know, I guess it happens sometimes, and being former Pentecostal, I should be used to it or whatnot, but uh, I was never a very good Pentecostal, so I never really got used to to those sort of things. But as if, you know, uh, as if God enjoys... Um, enjoys throwing us for curve, uh, throwing us curveballs and those sort of things. Um, five minutes before getting in the vehicle to come here, it became evident that what I was, I wrote was not for what, not for tonight, um, which is incredibly frustrating if you're a minister and you feel like you've been derailed at the last minute and you have to literally hang on by the seat of your pants and hope for the best. Um, which, you know, thankfully we have the lectionary, which kind of forms some kind of structure, so it's not all free-flowing and just extemporaneous and uh, throw all cares to the wind. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. So tonight in the epistle, um, St. Paul dealing with the... Sec- Corinthians here, the Church of Corinth, and he's writing uh, them another letter, uh, his second letter that we still have. There was other letters that have gone missing, but we have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And so last week, we there was the Corinthians passage um, that we spoke on where, Christ, where Paul was speaking about the resurrection and these various things, reminding the church in Corinth uh, as they were struggling and dealing with issues and things. This week, we get, to the, we get this passage from 2 Corinthians. And so you have Paul, uh, specifically our, our reading tonight or whatnot, you have him um, kind of justifying himself as a minister of Christ because these false apostles that came in with these uh, documents these letters of commendation that supposedly show that they're all this and a bag of chips and everything and really they're not and so Paul's like look I don't have that stuff I don't need any of that stuff um, there's nothing that I can provide you with to justify my presence before you and to justify the messages I've given you it's deficient. It's it's God. It's Christ. He is sufficient. It's the message He gave me that I implanted into your heart and it bore fruit and began to grow. That's all the justification and the proof of my apostleship that I need. You know, He had His proof was in the pudding. That you know, He 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 preached the gospel to them. He preached Christ crucified, Christ buried, Christ risen, and they couldn't deny that truth. So he didn't need these letters of commendation. He didn't need all this fanciful stuff um, to prove who he was to them, you know, because God was sufficient. God's call was sufficient. God's grace was sufficient. So Paul said, 
Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, or it is from God, who also hath made us the ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And so obviously we know the early church dealt with all these issues of uh, people say, I oh, know you got to be a little, you, you got to be, uh, you know, Jews with Jesus put on you. You know, you got to be, you got to accept the full weight of the Torah and the law of Moses. And you got to do that. That's your key. That's your goal. This Jesus thing is the nice icing on the cake. But ultimately it's about, you got the law. You have to be circumcised. You have this, you have that. And, you know. Strictly following that stuff, yeah, you might be a good person doing these things, following the letter. You might be able to put on a good act, a good service, a good show. But ultimately, is there any life in it if you're just a stickler for the rules? And so, you know, Paul or St. Paul, um, we're ministers of the New Testament. We're ministers of the Spirit. Because there's life in the Spirit. Yes, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do as I command. You'll obey my commandments. And so there's truth in that. We must, we don't want to go out and kill people. We can't do those things. We got to honor God and we got to follow his teachings. But as we know from when the rich young man came to Jesus, following all the law perfectly doesn't really get you eternal life. What did Jesus tell him? He said, sell everything you have, get rid of it all, and then and you'll be good. And the guy got upset, sad, and he left because he had lots of money and a little less love and a little less care, a little less concern, a little less grace and mercy and hope and, and those sort of things. He was doing great, sticking by the law. And while we don't know the outcome of that guy, he probably ended, we can just assume he continued living his life that way. He would have, entered, he would have found death. Because he would have never found the life abundant. And so Paul's saying, my, this grace from God, this, that's sufficient. I don't need anything else to give you proof. I just need to give you life. I just need to give you the hope, the resurrection, the gospel message. Those things, that's what's important. And if you live into those things, then all the other stuff, the letter of the law is going to fall into place. Because you can't exactly live a righteous life without, you know walking a righteous path. But the big thing tonight, you know, sufficient. It's not about the, the fact that Paul was a Pharisee and educated by this guy and that and all this super great intelligence and education. Uh, it wasn't a matter of how many prayers he had memorized and, and how, you know, well he strapped on his prayer boxes and these things to his forehead and to his forearms. It wasn't about any of that stuff that really made him the minister of the gospel. What made him the minister of the gospel was the grace of God. God was sufficient. None of that other stuff. And so the reason that really resonates with me tonight, personally, is because... I have to remind myself, and God has to remind myself, and typically it's through my wife, that God's grace is what's sufficient. 
That's, that is what gives me the ability to stand before you and the ability to go down to relevant and to do a bus blessing and do all this. It's not the fancy you know, title in front of my name or the fancy vestments or even our fancy, not fancy worship space that we don't have. So what's sufficient is just carrying the gospel message. You know, it doesn't really matter if we hold church in my house as we did for months or if we hold church at pavilions as we did for a few weeks or if we hold church in this fine establishment. Thank you very much. What really matters is as long as we show the hope and the gospel, the grace, the mercy. Let God justify us. Let God justify who we're trying to be. You know, all this fancy stuff is wonderful and it's great and it really helps us portray God for what he is, which is king and our majesty and majestic and glorious. But at the end of the day, he chose to come as just a dirty, you know, guy who just walked around in robes and probably, I probably smell better than he did because um, I at least bathe. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, our sufficiency is in God. We can't, we, Paul's sufficiency to justify himself as an apostle was found in God. It wasn't in the fact that, you know, he was who he was. It was because Jesus decided to slap this guy on the road to Damascus and say, I choose you. And because I choose you, you're going to bear fruit as long as you walk the road I'm calling you to walk, you know, by repentance and these things, you know. Jesus handpicked St. Paul to be a disciple, to be the 13th disciple, or apostle, excuse me. Because, as we know later in Corinthians, Christ says, my grace is sufficient. For it's in your weakness that I'm made strong. And so, when it comes to our context, this is, you get a little inside picture of our context, but when it comes to our context, uh, We've had a very interesting and strange, bizarre, roller coastery existence since the Lord saw fit to birth us on Easter last year in 2018. And it's been strange. Sometimes meeting at the house didn't feel like church. Sometimes meeting at pavilions don't feel like church. Um, and while meeting here feels like church, it doesn't feel like our church as far as the building is concerned course it feels like church corporately um, but none of that matters that stuff is all secondary and, and non non-essential it's all icing on the cake what's really important is the gospel that's where the power is that's where hope redemption all those things are when me and Myra originally started talking about planting a church years upon years ago before we were even Anglican um, and we were going to plan a non-denominational church that was Anglican with the serial numbers filed off. So, you know, we were like, we had all these crazy ideas of, oh, let's just meet in a bar and let's just have a guitar and let's just have a candle and do this and that. Because it's like, it really, why, why do we make it so complicated? Why do we, why do we need all those things for such a simple message? And we don't. 
it's good to have them, and I'm glad we have them, and I look forward to having them again. But we can't lose ourselves in all this. Because when we lose ourselves in all this, all this just becomes an idol. And we forget why we actually are a family and why we're a body and why we come together every week. Do we come together because we want to come to a space that looks pretty and looks beautiful and it, it reminds us of sacredness and holiness and it might have the right smells because of the incense and these various things? Or do we come there because, you know, we're the body and we need to encounter Christ at the table or... You know, in the case of someone who's getting baptized for the first time or confession or any other of the sacramentals, those are the things we come together for. Not any of this. We can't lose sight of that. Because as soon as we do, all this stuff can be taken away from us in order to remind us of what's most important. Which is Christ is sufficient. Christ is our sufficiency. He justifies us as a church, not our building, not my vestments, not our fancy music. It's Christ and Christ alone that justifies us and legitimizes us. And you know, that's been a struggle, at least from my point of view and my perception, and I feel like and if I'm wrong, you know, feel free to correct me after service. But I feel like, you know, it's not just the perception I, I have. It's not just a burden and a weight that I have. But I, I, you know, feel like we all get wrapped up in the pomp and circumstance and the ceremony and lose sight of what's most important, which is Christ, which is the fact that we are his body. And that he's given us, each of us, as ministers of the New Testament, because of the Great Commission, we're all called to be ministers. He's given us the ability and the empowerment by his Holy Spirit to, to speak this life, to speak hope and grace and mercy. Not to go and speak about all our space, because none of this saves us. What saves us is Christ. So I just want us, I just want to remind you all that our, again, our legitimacy, our justification, our, our, we find our purpose in Christ and nothing else. And let us not, let us not ever lose sight of that. And now unto God the Father. God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, be all honor and glory, now and forever.